0: Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein, and every episode is brought to you by listeners who donated to The Okra Project. Donations are now closed, so thank you so much to everybody who contributed. We have enough to fully cover all of Freddy's Nightmares, and I have discovered I don't need more than that in my life right now. Um, And this week's patron is Araceli. And our guest from the Keep Screaming podcast, it's Bee Bass. Welcome to the show, B. Oh,
1: thank you. I'm so excited.
0: I am excited that you're excited. I, I, uh, I got some texts in the middle of you watching this, uh, or I think next episode and I'm glad you're still, we're still friends.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I knew what I was signing up for. Every recommendation from you, I always know, like, it's either going to be something I absolutely cannot stand whatsoever, and it makes me angry <laughs> girl's night out, or it's something that brings me so much joy when I think about it, like the carpenter. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. So I knew no matter what, that this was going to be a fun and interesting experience. And... I feel very honored because I've never guested on a podcast before, so this is my first time. What? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm
0: so I'm happy to be your first.
1: <laughs> thank you. So thank you for asking me. I feel so special.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Um yeah. I I, I I'm honestly shocked that, that hasn't happened. I think well your co host, Ryan Larson, he's he's he hustling around. Thunder. What?
1: Yeah. I said he steals all my thunder. Yeah, well he's
0: he's just on the hustle and he's just he's scooping you i think is is the problem so you should maybe consider firing him and just doing a solo podcast
1: you know i think about it often every time (laughs) i listen back to our episodes i'm like why is he even here he's just so obnoxious (laughs) oh actually
0: (sighs) do you want to tell um our listeners about your podcast as if they aren't already listening to it
1: Uh, Yes, I will tell you about my podcast and my obnoxious co-host who happens to be my best friend in the whole entire world. Um, So Ryan Larson and I have a podcast uh, called Keep Screaming where we cover um, slasher movies exclusively. Um, We go over like every bit of them, um, cast, crew, plot, uh, kind of dissect it kill by kill. um, And then we rank them based on how they fit into the slasher formula how well that they work as slashers they use those tropes etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, which is super fun for us we absolutely love it um, this month we've hit three years which seems kind of insane to me um, especially since we talked about it for years and just never made anything happen and then we finally did and it seems crazy that we're here at that milestone and how much has happened in our lives but we love it um we do it uh twice a month so every other week and we cover super famous ones like you know friday the 13th and texas chainsaw and nightmare Two, like really low budget indie cult (laughs) films that you've probably never heard of as well as a lot of we try and get a lot of new ones in there too or ones not just overlooked 80s but also overlooked 90s aughts and uh you know now uh so for example this month we are covering uh two new ones which i'm super excited about our episode for 2019's trick just came out and then um we will have another episode coming out on 2019 or 2018's hellfest um so yeah
0: yeah. And I would say the kind of modernity is kind of one of the, the special heats that you and Ryan bring. I mean, you especially love the, the 90s and the ooze. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of, you know, most slasher review series, including my own, are very stuck in the 80s. So right. you're really, you know, bringing something that not a, not a, you're not getting anywhere else that I've heard that is worth listening to at least. yeah
1: not a lot and I get that and I think it just mainly comes from you know that's how Ryan and I fell in love with horror and it has specifically how we fell in love with slashers is because of the like slasher remake um, boom that happened in the aughts and so because of that it really shaped our tastes and interest uh, but it has been The best part about the podcast for us is that there's so many movies that either I didn't like when I first saw them or I'd never heard of and probably would have never checked out before this even though I love horror movies, I love slashers, I'm definitely not one to consume all. I'm pretty picky about what I choose to watch and it really helps us like see these films in such a a more like appreciative, positive light um, when you sit down and research how they got made and uh all the time and effort that went into it and when you kind of look at it sort of in its bubble of a slasher uh instead of in the realm of horror film in general i think you can find more to appreciate so i really enjoy that too and we try and be honest but positive um oh yeah
0: and you you accomplish that mostly sometimes Sometimes, B, I I can tell when you're extremely upset by a movie, including <laughs> ones that I may have brought to the table. Uh, but uh, otherwise, <laughs> yes, I think you accomplished that goal.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's my podcast. That's my horror stuff. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm going to link to all that in the show notes. But we're also here to talk about <laughs> um, the opposite of, of podcast. It's called Silence is Golden. It's Season 2, Episode 7 of Freddy's Nightmares. Oh, the original air date, November 19th, 1989. Here's what you could have watched in theaters instead. This is a big weekend B.
1: Oh, I'm so excited.
0: So th- on the lower end, we have Steel Magnolias and Harlem Nights. Um, oh. moving up. To, I'm just talking about in terms of like popularity and how they've retained their name. Um, All Dogs Go to Heaven also oh. came out that weekend. And what? the... The Little Mermaid came out that weekend. What?
1: Well, when you try to tell me *Still Magnolias* was the low end, I'm like, what else came out? That movie was huge, was it not? It it's was. Classic.
0: But the Little Mermaid, be like
1: Little Mermaid. Wow.
0: See, we're talking about um, this is the infamous. Well, infamous as of last episode. This is the mime episode. So, if we're talking about someone who is voiceless, the Little Mermaid really it's the it's the perfect double feature.
1: It really is. I I expect that's what most people did. They watched this episode and then they went to the theater and saw Little Mermaid, right? I mean, of course, yeah. That's uh, what I would have done.
0: I mean, somebody would have had to, right? Like, if if that was you, call in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to know.
0: Yeah, you're a was pretty that cool you person?
1: on this weekend?
0: <laughs> wow. And again, like statistically, there's probably at least a couple hundred people for whom that's the case. And I love each and every one of you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, yeah, but, especially yeah. if people, I mean, you have to consider that people who are watching this show are probably fans of the movies and maybe older and would have kids that would be wanting, that they would be taken to the theater to see Little Mermaid. Or, hey, still Magnolias.
0: Yeah, well, okay, yeah, that too. No, there, there's definitely, whatever demographic you're in, you had something to watch that weekend.
1: <laughs> True. I mean, yeah. Wow, what a weekend.
0: I know. And the fucking mime episode. Great. Um, the writer of this episode is Jonathan Glasner. He did um, the previous episode, Heartbreak Hotel, which we covered with Patrick Hamilton. Um, the director of this episode was Chuck Braverman. Um, he didn't do a lot that seemed that interesting, but he did do a TV movie documentary in the 70s called Horror Hall of Fame, which I assume is part of how he got this gig. Mm. Um in the cast here, as as Andy, we have Kim Morgan Green, um, who was has played minor roles in lots of things that I've heard of. She was Housewife Number Three in *Miss Congeniality 2: Armed and Fabulous*, and she played the iconic role of Chloe's mom in *Bratz the Movie*. Mm, of um, course, yes. And and as Tracy, um, we have Gretchen Palmer, who was in *Wishmaster* um also playing the black best friend or you know an, an accessory to a white person so I'm, I'm sorry to gretchen palmer
1: so you know trope uh that's funny i just watched that movie
0: oh really how mm-hmm. how did it how did it hit you in 2020
1: um i really liked it oh yeah it's it's definitely
0: it's an effects reel for sure it's it's mm-hmm. very fun
1: it's a time capsule in the best way yeah and it's got
0: all those mm-hmm. horror cameos going
1: mm-hmm. on yeah which is super fun Um, yeah it I was very interested to see like I tried to reach out on Twitter a little bit and get like the buzz about like how that movie what the talk was in culture at that time when that movie came out because I was too Mm -hmm. young to really know um, because it just seems crazy and this the, the consensus seemed to be that Not a lot of people went and saw it, but like heard about all the people that were in it because all the icons who were in it were like massive at that time. Oh, yeah. It was like peak for, you know, Robert England and Tony Todd and Cotter and like all of those guys. So kind of crazy. Yeah. And what a, what a,
0: what a weird film. I, so weird. I appreciate Wishmaster quite a bit. Um, but anyway, another Robert England project is what we're here to talk about. Trying yeah. to bring myself back on topic. <laughs> um, so we've got Rick Rake. He's a radio DJ. Um, he spreads. He's basically a shock jock. He, his kind of brand is that he hates everything, including uh, Mojo Mama, mother of rap, queen of fat, um, <laughs> which I assume is the PHAT from, mm-hmm. that we were trying to make happen for a while. Mm-hmm um i sure hope so yeah um but then he does he does go on a tirade about how he hates fat people or no he 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 doesn't hate fat people
1: just fat ugly people yes which big difference brennan
0: yeah of course like not fat phobic i guess good for him but like phobic (laughs) of uh, just misogynistic in general so like congrats um And so his whole thing is like, I say what I think and I think what I say. And he's, you know, he's a Howard Stern kind of situation.
1: Instantly as he was talking, I was like, okay, so he's supposed to be like a Howard Stern-esque character.
0: Oh, yeah. It's um, Howard Stern, if Howard Stern had the hair of every member of Poison at once. um, It's this beautifully teased flowing locks that are the best thing about this character.
1: Yeah, it's like Howard Stern without his curls.
0: Yeah, just yeah, straightened and teased uh-huh. and uh-huh. lots of split ends, but yeah. still blown out. You know,
1: yeah. he'd be going to the the what is that place called? The blow bar, right? No, yeah. that's that can't be what it's called. What is it called? I I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a, a place you go you know nowadays where you literally just get a blowout.
0: Oh, okay, so it's um, like a
1: salon, but all they do is blow dry your hair.
0: Okay, I've yeah. I've I've not had dry long bar, enough, dry yeah okay yes yes I've heard I've heard of such a thing. Yeah, um, I've, only had, yeah. Mm. I've only had yeah, I've only had semi long hair for the duration of quarantine, and the reason is because I don't want to go to a salon, so I have mm. not I've never been to a salon with hair at the length that I currently have it, so I wouldn't know.
1: Well, you know, just keep growing it until this is all over. You know. And then by the time it's done, it'll probably be down to your waist and you can go get a blowout.
0: Sounds Yeah, that'll, that'll be how I celebrate. <laughs> yeah, that's quarantine. how you're going to
1: celebrate. You can go to Dry Bar. You're going to blow out. You know what?
0: There are worse ways to do that.
1: <laughs> True. You know what? They offer you like champagne or like, you know, they have like, c- they have all kinds of fun things to drink. Cider oh. and, you know, soda. I mean, whatever okay. you want. You sit there. And last time, I mean, I've been. The last time I was there... um How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was on the TV. I mean, no complaints, honestly. How to Lose a Guy
0: in 10 Days is a movie that does not speak to me because um, it's all about Matthew McConaughey totally steamrolling two capable women with his really, really shitty ad tagline, which is, Frost Yourself, (laughs) which is one of the worst things I've ever heard.
1: That's part of the joke is like he's not qualified for it.
0: Yeah, but basically they're like, if you can fuck this lady, yeah. you can beat these other women <laughs> at, their, at the job that they're better at than you. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, as, yeah, I'm not great at staying on topic today. but
1: That's okay. I'm really not great at discouraging you. <laughs>
0: but we got to do it so we can stop talking about Freddy Krueger at some <laughs> point. Um, the, the next song that Rick Rake plays is uh, by the band, daddy's little girl it's called stick shift up my heart i believe Mm -hmm. and i definitely wish we had heard more of that song Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: but basically um rick rake's producer pipes in and is like hey you know you're too toned down we pay you to be creative in your brutality and i was like he was incredibly mean to mojo mama so i don't know what you wanted from him
1: something besides fat jokes he wanted him to be you know more clever
0: i guess um and they they dump out a literal literal sack of fan mail that is all hate mail, and they're like, "Yeah, well, you know, you're you're getting the listens." It's it's very 2020,
1: <laughs> it, right? I, that's exactly how I felt. At first, I was like, um, I wasn't I wasn't sure if he was going to be aware, you know, that he was an ass and people were listening to him because he's mean and not because he's good. And then when he's like, this is, I hate to break it to you. This is hate mail. I'm like, okay, thank God. At least he's aware.
0: Oh, yeah. And, um, but I mean, as we'll learn, his personality is is, is blending with his stage persona. Yeah. Um, it's at risk. But the, the kind of inciting incident here is that someone comes to deliver him flowers. And the, the flower delivery person just decks him across the face. And he's like, that's from Mojo Mama. And... <laughs> so this super bland uh like middle-aged white dude tracy suddenly tracy who is um gretchen the Uh the the black friend who does not get enough to do um she's like oh that's matt the rat mojo's drummer and i was like "Mm, the music scene we we really weren't a part of this huh mr jonathan
1: glasner writer of this episode and she's like i can't believe i didn't recognize him like oh good lord
0: yeah the drummer of mojo mama um who's just this random white dude. Congrats to him. Yeah. Um, when we see Freddie in his liminal space, he's actually, he's busting out his headphones and his DJ kit again. Last time we did that was, um, the bride wore red with, uh, we talked about that with Aaron. So full, uh, the Holy Trinity of you and Ryan and Aaron.
1: It's really beautiful.
0: Um, but, yeah, so Freddie's doing a little impression. He's like, You're listening to the hot sounds of Freddie the K. And he name drops Lennon, Joplin, Elvis, and Donnie Osmond. Mm-hmm. And we
1: move on. Well, he name drops Donnie Osmond to, like, then be disgusted and throw the record. Oh, of course. Because, you know, this was the 80s. Yeah, because
0: Freddie would never. Although, I'm glad Freddie's supporting female artists. <laughs> Good um, for you, in, Freddie. In, 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 in Janice Joplin. Um,. And then he's talking about, like, fourth collar, a free trip for two to a graveyard near you. And in case you hadn't noticed, this is about five different bits that play out over the course of, you know, the 25 seconds that he gets. They really need to tighten this shit up. Just pick one.
1: Hmm. Um. Yeah, what? Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say it just it's funny because, you know, we get this cold open without Freddie, which seems to be like somewhat of a trend with the episodes that don't have anything to really do with him. Yes. And then I feel like they just kind of let him go and then they don't rein him in. And you're like, okay, well we've used up the whole radio bit. Let's, let's move on to something else. He's like,
0: he's, he's getting paid for those 30 seconds. Yeah. So he making yeah. it work. But anyway, uh, Rick rake is walking around with his wife, Sheila, who worries about him being too mean. Um, they, they join a, super ecstatic crowd who's very excitedly watching a mime perform as has never happened. No. Um, there is an extra in this scene. Who's wearing this like scoop neck V neck um, and has enormous pecs. And I- I'm glad he was there moving on. <laughs> um,
1: people I'm just, sad I didn't notice that.
0: Oh yeah. We'll have to rewatch it.
1: Yeah. Just for that. Yeah. Be worth it.
0: Yeah. And also, I mean, it is kind of fun to briefly live in a universe where everyone just loves, loves a good mime.
1: I know. I totally noticed that too. And they just kept going like, isn't this funny? Oh my God. Isn't this guy hilarious? I've been in situations to see like street performers. Um, and like, you'll, they'll be all dressed like a robot and they'll basically be a mime, but like not speak, but as like a robot or whatever. Yeah. And it's super interesting and they're doing like really cool stuff this mime is literally like doing nothing. Every time the camera pans to him, I'm like, what? He's just like pointing at people or then like pointing at his pocket and like, oh. And I'm like, I don't, why didn't they give him something interesting to do?
0: Yeah, and I feel like at one point they they kind of have him like jump up on a thing and like lean from a light pole like uh, singing in the rain, but he's not
1: not doing anything Uh and people are
0: creaming their pants oh, over yeah. this mime.
1: They just can't handle it's like they're seeing a celebrity.
0: Oh yeah, and look, this is not meant to be an offense to offense to the art and craft of mimery um which has led to a lot of like a lot of great art, but this is not that. And the people I've just I've I've never seen an actual like, you know, stereotypical like French mime like the black and white makeup Draw such an adoring crowd.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. There are so many things that, like, would warrant a reaction like that that, like, mimes can do. This particular mime was not doing it. Exactly.
0: Um, They're
1: like, oh, it's fine. We'll just put him in the costume, and, like, that's all you really need.
0: I guess. That's what they – sure what they think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a guy in the crowd recognizes Rick Rake, and Rick is trying not to be recognized. He's like, look, dude, you don't know me. Um And basically, the guy's being kind of persistent, so Rick's trying to leave. And while he does so, the mime is, like, following behind Rick in some sort of, like, mockery of his walk or whatever. And
1: does the mime tap him on the shoulder? No, Um, he doesn't physically touch him. Okay. I don't... Not that I remember.
0: Okay. yeah. So he just notices the mime following him and thinks it's the dude from the crowd and just punches him. And... Look, uh, the, um, in the description of this episode that I read on the previous one, it does say after a man accidentally assaults a mime, um, he did think he was intentionally assaulting someone who s- still didn't deserve to be punched in the face. No. His, his crime was not much. So Rick Rake, you know, he's, he's, he's not good people.
1: Well, what I found so funny is like they don't really explain why the guy just looks at Rick Rake and goes, I recognize you because they literally – he just had a conversation with his wife right before that about, oh, honey, don't worry about people coming after me uh, because I'm on the radio. It's not like I'm on TV. Nobody knows what I look like. And literally just seconds later, they're saying, you look familiar, like, they don't explain why he... And then, you know, he says his tagline. And he's like, ah, yeah, 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 you're Rick Rick. I knew I recognized you. It's like, how, recognized him how?
0: Yeah, also, if you don't know you recognize, recognized, maybe don't say the thing that is the tagline of your radio show just all the time walking around.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean... Yeah. Good advice, Brennan. Thank good you. Good advice.
0: I do my best. Um.
1: But yeah, so basically,
0: his wife gets all mad. She's like, I don't know you anymore. You punched a mime. And <laughs> I mean... Fair. I, I mean, again, I dispute his intentions to punch anyone in that circumstance. So right. I do think he's terrible.
1: Well, right. It's not like the guy, the guy was just bugging him, like being annoying. He wasn't trying to cause any kind of physical altercation. He wasn't like spouting off any kind of hate or slurs to, towards him. He was, he was literally not a just danger. like, no. And so it was like completely unjustified punching. 100 percent
0: yeah which like okay i I, i'm totally on the wife's side in this but it is still a little ridiculous that it's just it's it's a mime and she just keeps talking about how he punched this mime and that's why she wants to leave and it's just it's just very strange dramatic choice um
1: well, right, Brennan, it's a representation of everything that's been building since he took this job. And I also did notice like the extremely like misogynistic comments he makes towards her, uh, when she's complaining about how mean he is on the show and he's like, Well, don't you like that five hundred dollar watch? Don't you like the brand new car? I'm like, Oh fuck, are you kidding me? Like, what an asshole. Like, this whole idea of like, well, I can act however I want because I buy you things, and you like those things, don't you? Yeah, you know what? Fuck
0: Rick Rake. I mean, yeah. I've never been on Rick Rake's side, but also extra fuck him.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, you know what? He sh- maybe he's really just sleeping on the couch because he's just an asshole to her all the time and just has to buy her expensive things to make up for it, and punching the mind was just...
0: The the, the the straw that broke that the broke mime's the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of uh, obviously the mime wants his comeuppance. Um, the mime shows up with an invisible switchblade and slices um, Rick Rake. Of course, he wakes up because it was a dream because it's a Freddy's nightmares episode. Um, but then he finds a box on the stoop that has like this mime had this yellow flower and he finds the mime's flower in a box on the stoop. Um, also in the box is the MIMES medical bill for $150 for a jaw x-ray. And you, the listener, were not privy to the conversation about insurance that B and I had off air, but that's pretty cheap for an x-ray.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, damn good deal. Like I need his insurance broker. Like I need to know what kind of health insurance he has because that's a stellar deal.
0: Yeah, and the the mime economy, I did not realize, was that strong for such such solid insurance. Yeah,
1: like, do, they must have a union. Only explanation.
0: Oh, they better. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so on Rick Rake's next episode, he starts ranting about mimes. He's like, these little silent slime balls on our street corners. And I'm just like, I know he has beef with this one mime, but he's acting like the world is riddled with mimes. You can't you know, swing a cat and not hit a mime. <laughs> and like
1: we're infested. Like it's like the same as like people panhandling on the street or something. Like, oh, I can't, you know, walk without seeing a mime. It's like, uh, what's going on in freaking Ohio, man?
0: Yeah. I I mean, maybe Ohio is, you know, the the mime state or something we're not aware of. But <laughs>
1: True. I have never been, so.
0: I actually have and I, I, I was there for three days and I saw zero mimes so mm. at least you know it's changed since the 80s perhaps. Maybe. Um, but the of course. The scared him away. I mean maybe maybe it's for the best. Um, but anyway so the mime is like creeping up on his wife because everyone's a misogynist in the 80s. It's like just get revenge on the dude not on his wife who hates him for doing this bad thing to you. <laughs>
1: as she's like on the porch apologizing.
0: Yeah. Um but the mime's digging this hole with a fake shovel, but he's lifting actual dirt like kind of telekinetically. It's very Mr. Mime. It's it's kind of fun. Um but she ends up falling down the hole. Of course, Rick Rick Rake wakes up again, but he sees his wife's hand holding a flower sticking out of the hole because it's a, you know, one of those Springwood sinkholes we've heard so much about. mm <laughs> Um back to the radio station. The next song that's playing is by stone and the stoners, which I mention only because this is a reference to an episode that actually hasn't aired yet. Um, I've already watched it cause I watched these a little out of order, but season two, episode 11, we will hear more from stone and the stoners. Wow. Um, but yeah, so he rants again about mimes, truly, this Jonathan Glasner writer of this episode had some sort of beef with a mime. I don't know what's going on here.
1: I mean, he compares them to people who club baby seals.
0: He does. And then he says that the the people who do club baby seals should show up in Springwood and club all the mimes. Yeah. Just the these mimes are just crawling over each other. <laughs> they are like Starbucks just creeping up every time everywhere you turn. Every corner. <laughs> um but yeah, so then there's this whole thing where the mime does show up in the radio studio. He blows out smoke after like smoking an invisible cigar, another semi cool effect. Um, and then the best part of this episode happens. There's a hanging rake in the radio station because you need props for the room that no one's ever going to see. Um, and the, rain, the rake falls from the ceiling and swings into Rick's neck. And it's he's hanging by his neck, like impaled on this rake. And it's pretty gross and yeah, very fun.
1: It's so fun. Also, I did not make the connection that it was probably a prop because of his radio name. I mean,
0: I, because it's dumb as hell.
1: I assumed it was one of the because wasn't he like making noises in the beginning of the episode like on the rake or on something like that
0: oh wasn't he using it
1: for like a sound effect when he was talking shit about mojo mama
0: i don't recall but i believe you
1: yeah i think or at least that's what i connected the rake to in my head i could be totally lying to you um You'll find out if you watched the episode and remember it better than I do.
0: Yeah. And maybe wait till the end of this to find out if you should watch it or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so turns out his his like assistant Tracy has now taken over the show because the rake in his neck did not kill him, but it did sever his vocal cords. So I know that Rick is a terrible person, but Tracy is so fucking mean to him on the air. Oh my
1: God. He's so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well she, yeah, she's like, well, let's ask him how he's doing. Oh, wait, he can't talk. And it is brutal. Yeah. Um, and then the episode ends. Of course, Freddy is doing a little mime routine. But then he smashes the invisible wall, says, of course, a mime is a terrible thing to waste. Kisses a little doll of a mime and just throws it over his shoulder. A, a mystery. Okay, thanks, Freddy. <laughs>
1: Thanks for that uh, insight. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I was um, kind of surprised about, like, how strong sort of, like, the moral lessons of this half of the episode were. Like, when it ended, that's just, like, not – I just wasn't really expecting it to be that sort of heavy-handed in messaging of, you know, this whole idea that, well – He said really mean things on the air. He used his voice for negativity. And in the end, like the only person who like tried to help him and save him, he lost because he wouldn't listen. And now he doesn't even have his voice. Like all of those connecting. I'm like, wow. All right. Freddy's nightmare is really getting deep with us.
0: Yeah. It's a a very Pat like fitting punishment episode, which we don't get enough good ones of those and i'm not saying necessarily this is good but on Friday's nightmares we don't get enough like coherent ones where they come up right. and it's, like make sense because of what we know about a character so this is yeah. this is pretty solid in its intentions there
1: right that's why i felt like surprised when like it ended and like you know my brain kind of connected the very easy to connect dots <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh all right okay i see that i respect that
0: Which is not something that many a person has said about a Freddy's (laughs) Freddy's Nightmares episode. I believe it. So we're we're on a hot streak, I guess. Um, Continuing this hot streak briefly, the second half of the episode, we see the mime wiping off his makeup, and then suddenly no more mime stuff. He's just a former mime (laughs) who is also a cat burglar. (laughs) Um, But first, um, he wipes off his makeup, he takes off his clothes, and he's got pretty nice body (laughs) um
1: and his tiny little chonies
0: yes yes um he you know he's he's a kind of emaciated joker-esque kind of person but also like in a way that actually is kind of cute and i was like all right all right mime, like show off your hairy chest let's let's uh let's make out with this lady on your bed sure yeah
1: who's doing my favorite like Artfully naked, but, you know, the sheet is around, like, her breasts, but not her stomach, but then covers her again at the waist. And I'm like, I don't even know how one does that with the sheet.
0: God, like, television talent. sheets are magic.
1: They really are. Like, is it two sheets? Like, is it is it a wrap? Like, do you have both of the top corners? And did you, like, put that? Did you just... Is it like when your hair perfectly flows (laughs) in the convertible or with the windows down in movies? Like, it's just one of those. It's just magic.
0: Yeah. And it it is a cousin to these sheets where um, after a man and a woman are finished having sex on TV, where the man's lying back and you can see his entire torso, like, down to his, like, belt line. Mm -hmm. But the woman is covered, like, all the way above her
1: breasts. Yeah.
0: Um, it, it's a beautiful thing big l shaped sheet anyway um basically this woman is convincing the mime, her mind boyfriend to steal the jewels from the wall safe from her like old neighbors she's like she's a, a a woman of fortune she's like mother would always say to daddy she wanted a wall safe just like the indicots. so she <laughs> knows you know all the all the insights into how to steal from these rich people um the, back in Freddy, Freddy Land, um, he's inside a safe. He unlocks it from the inside and then spits money out of his mouth. Um, he, he says something about, like, crime doesn't pay, um, whatever. But all I could notice was that I'm pretty sure there was no makeup on the bottom of his face. Just an orange light. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, his cling-on forehead.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really hard to tell. But, yeah, the whole bottom of the safe just looked like a blob of reddish-orange.
0: Yeah, it was. They, they, they were not trying. Maybe he'd already eaten lunch and he'd like spilled something on his chin, and they were like, "You know what? We're not gonna fix it."
1: Yeah, maybe or the like makeup artist like went home for the day, and they're like, "Well, shit, we gotta shoot this. So uh, just get in there. We'll figure it out." They're like, "Fuck! We
0: have seven more episodes. We
1: totally forgot." <laughs> we'll fix this in post.
0: Yeah. Um. So okay. So he does steal from the Indicots. There is the sexiest saxophone during his heist. And I was like, is, is this lady going to show up? Are they going to fuck? Nope. He just steals the whatever diamonds.
1: With the lights completely on right next to the sleeping uh, old people.
0: Yep. Um, And he's known as the Daisy burglar because his calling card is a little yellow Daisy that he leaves behind. Um, But what he doesn't realize is that the people he stole from were murdered before he ever got there. Um, so all of a sudden the people are on the trail of the Daisy burglar. Cause now it's not just robbery. It is murder. Um, and he has a dream about that. He, that he left his stethoscope at the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty sure cat burglars don't use actual stethoscopes, but what do I know?
1: I mean, have you ever cat burglared?
0: No, I, I've, I've never even seen a wall
1: safe. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. So you never know. Um, but basically, he wants to skip town. Um, his fence only offers him half the fee that he normally gets because the f- the, the, st- the steel is too hot. Um, <laughs> when, when he gets home, his girlfriend, Andy, is gone. She's already called the police. Um, he has another dream really quick about how the police, like, find a skeleton in his drawer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love how he's, like waiting for his like jeweler to get money together his girlfriend has called has like left and he manages to you know take a nap like while the cops are potentially on to him
0: oh yeah no sleep is a real problem for the denizens of springwood they never get enough sleepy no yeah
1: he's really sleepy i (laughs) i also forgot one of my notes it's i found it really funny with like how she you know finds out so to say about the fact that and he finds out that they were murdered is that when he comes back with the jewels and they're like kissing in bed she turns the radio on as you do and um you know it's tracy of course uh reporting on it and i'm like (laughs) i love that They decided to still involve like sex and that she had to like try and turn music on. It happened to be the radio as opposed to a much more natural way to like, oh, he comes back and she's like making breakfast or something and then has the radio on. No, it still has to be this like awkward, like soft porn sex moment between the two (laughs) of them.
0: It's not just exposition. It's sex position.
1: That's right
0: oh man you're right they really did try to shoehorn the like the back half of this episode make it sexy
1: there's so much so much like trying to make it sexy
0: and not accomplishing it um but what they did accomplish was a full like brennan jaw on the floor moment because andy you know she has called him she's called the cops he shows up at her house and talks to her mom and her mom's like what are you talking about Andy died of cancer 2 years ago and I'm like what the actual fuck is going on in this episode?
1: Uh-huh. Um
0: of course it it he's not dating a ghost. Um he searches through his memories as you're able to do of course and <laughs> and notices that the portrait of the Indicott family um the daughter had a birthmark just like Andy does. And she realizes and
1: that looks like a diamond. Yeah, of course.
0: And it's weird to me that he noticed a portrait of a little girl with a birthmark exactly like his girlfriend's and didn't process it at first.
1: Well, right, because he, his mind wasn't able to go there because he loves her. I guess. So it wasn't until he was presented with something suspicious that he could go back and be like, wait, hold on. Yeah, this, um,
0: this person with the exact same birthmark might be the real Andy.
1: Yeah, who told me about this mark. Oh, my God,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, so it turns out she is the Indicott's daughter. She's Claire Indicott and she's kind of conspired to have him framed for her parents' murder. Cause she has teamed up with the pawn shop owner for some reason and to get the insurance money. Um, so they, they shoot the mime and then she shoots the pawn shop owner and it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Freddie shows up and she's like, basically like, she's my kind of girl and then mm-hmm. talks a lot more like he does. Yeah. And that's the end of this episode.
1: Yes, it is. So,
0: B, final thoughts. Was this episode a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep?
1: Um, well, it <laughs> didn't put me to sleep at all.
0: Yeah, very rarely these episodes are boring, <laughs> if anything.
1: Um, I, I mean, I would say it was a dream. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know what?
0: I'm I'm right there with you, actually. The first half is totally bonkers, just mime nonsense, which is and, very fun.
1: And it's super fun. Like, I was intrigued the whole time, and I, you know, enjoyed the, you know, slasher-esque rake. Uh,
0: Ooh, yes, that is one of the best effects I've seen on this show.
1: Yeah, it's like,
0: good. Second only to the uh, cafeteria worker who gets his fingers sliced off, and that was in like episode four of season one. So it's been a long drought.
1: <laughs> you've you you've deserved this. Yes, thank you.
0: Um, but yes, the in uh, the second half is at least trying a new genre. Like we don't really do a lot of crime stories in this uh, show. Yeah, so. it's like
1: a sexy crime thriller um and I was the same as you like I was not I wasn't expecting that twist at all I was like wait what hold on what's happening um the only part that like really lost me was like the poor tie-in like I kept getting which was silly of me but I couldn't help like trying to go back to the whole mime thing I was like but wait like is he wear the mime makeup why he is a burglar like I just kept going back to that instead of being like B that was just how they tied it into the second half of the episode just ignored it doesn't matter huh. um, well that maybe was that, the only thing
0: maybe that's why he's so sleepy he's a bad mime by day and a bad burglar by night
1: you know two jobs man works hard
0: sure does for his uh sexy ghost girlfriend who's... yeah oh, what what an
1: episode yes
0: Oh, man. Okay. So, B, where can everybody find you and your podcast out there on the internet?
1: Um, So you can find me out in the world, um, probably the most active on Twitter. You can find me um, at B not B. uh, That's B-E-E not B-E-A. I'm on there talking about... Movies and TVs, and my kiddo, and a variety of interests. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, you can find my podcast "Keep Screaming" anywhere you find podcasts. Um, so, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. Um, you'll find us out there. Um, yeah, that's kind of kind of where I'm at.
0: Sounds like a plan. Um, and yeah. you can find me on Twitter at it's raining Brens and Instagram at the Burning Clem. Our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is living in a dream by pseudo echo rate and review us wherever you get us synopsis of the next episode An escaped convict returns home to retrieve the money he hid from a bank robbery and discovers his son is bitter and his wife has lost her mind later. A couple illegally adopts a baby, but as the little girl grows, her new parents come to the realization that she may be evil. We will talk about that. See you on Friday for that nonsense. Um, bye, everybody. <laughs>